Going Linux, episode 300, listener feedback. Welcome to the Going Linux podcast. I'm your host, Larry Bushy. Whether you are new to Linux, upgrading from Windows to Linux, or just thinking about moving to Linux, this podcast will provide you with valuable information and advice that will help you in Going Linux. We hope that you'll find this and all of our episodes helpful in learning about Linux and its applications and using them to get things done. If you want to send us feedback, you can email us at goinglinux at gmail.com or send us a voicemail at 1-904-468-7889. In today's episode, listener feedback. Today, Bill is taking care of some personal issues, and so it will be just me on the podcast today, and we have quite a lot of feedback, so let's get started. Aiden asked, Dock with Windows previews for GNOME? Hi, Larry and Bill. Love the show and appreciate all your work. I'm a recent Linux convert using the GNOME desktop, but there is one feature of Windows I'm missing. I'd really like to find a dock that has Windows previews on hovering over icons of active applications. This way I could see all the open windows and click previews to switch window focus. The only option I found is dockbar X, but it requires compiz, and being on GNOME, I'd rather stick with Mutter as my window manager. Do you have any suggestions? Thanks in advance, Aiden. Well, hi, Aiden. Um, as I understand it, and I'm not an expert in window managers or desktop environments and so on, but as you know, the GNOME desktop is a desktop environment that uses uh, the GNOME tools, uh, and some other examples of desktop environments are Mate or Mate and Cinnamon, and there are various others out there. The window manager that you mentioned you're using on GNOME is Mutter. And I believe that it is actually the window manager that controls the previews that you're looking for. And if it wasn't clear in Aiden's email, what he's looking for is on the taskbar, which is what it would be called in Windows, or on the dock or the panel where the open applications are displayed, uh, Aiden is looking to have a little pop-up preview of that open application in a little tiny window. And I know that Compiz gives you that capability. It's one of the settings in Compiz, and if you're using Ubuntu Mate or any other distribution that has Compiz available to it, you can have that setting. And in fact, I think that's one of the default settings, at least in Ubuntu Mate it is. So I think that the fact that you want to use Mutter is the problem that you have. And if I'm incorrect, if it's not the window manager that controls that, if there's a way to use Mutter as the window manager on GNOME as a desktop environment and yet still have a dock or a feature of a dock that gives you a preview of an open application, it would be great if you could send us an email or a voicemail with that information for Aiden. Thanks. Tony wrote, Larry, I'm getting a problem on Mint. 
a plug-in, Shockwave Flash, isn't responding. Then in a little box it says, Stop Plugin. What does it mean, and what, if anything, should I do? Well, Tony and I exchanged a few messages, and I explained that Shockwave Flash is a plug-in for Firefox and other web browsers that allows you to play Flash videos in the browser. Plugins also known as the Adobe Flash plugin or the Adobe Flash player. And the error is telling you that something went wrong with this plugin. Uh, and I made mention of the fact that Firefox had blocked the plugin by default as, because of some security issues. And Tony had mentioned back to me that he's using Chrome and not Firefox. So one of the things that you can do, Tony, is to restart the browser and try it again or stop the plugin and then try your link again. Uh, Shockwave Flash is definitely something that has become outmoded and obsolete. Well, maybe not obsolete, but certainly uh, antique in the world of browsing. And if the sites that you're using are still using Flash and you have access to the web administrator or the webmaster for that website, you might suggest that they begin using different video players or video codecs uh, and get into the current century. Failing that, I'm not sure what you can do short of reinstalling the browser and the appropriate plugin and making sure that everything is installed correctly. Uh, I'm not surprised that Flash has problems from time to time. And if it's in fact a, a bug with the browser, an update to the browser might just fix it. Failing that, I'm not sure what we can do for you here, Tony. If anybody has any suggestions, as always, please let us know. Will asked, why now go Linux? I've used everything from Texas Instruments, Osborne, DOS, Windows, Linux, and Apple OS X. For modern use, Linux has the least hardware compatibility and is most fiddly to get to work. Why would I want to put in the effort to use it? Bye. Well, Will, um, I, I'm not sure that Linux is the least has the least hardware compatibility. I think that's probably OS X. But yeah, um, one of the things that is a hallmark of Windows, at least until the re most recent Windows, is that they've tried to make it backward compatible with everything all the time. And so it has generally worked with older stuff. But as far as old hardware is concerned, Linux has probably the most compatibility with old obsolete hardware that's out there. Uh, yeah, the oldest stuff, maybe the drivers get dropped out of the kernel because nobody's using it. And the newest stuff, it takes a little while for the open source community to develop drivers for new stuff for Linux, but that's only because the manufacturers of that hardware typically don't do their own drivers for Linux. That's changing a bit as well as Linux becomes more and more popular. Hardware manufacturers are starting to consider Linux drivers as some things that they put in the box from the beginning, but there is still brand new hardware out there that takes a little while for Linux 
to develop drivers for and become Linux compatible. As I said, that's less and less as time goes on. So you do have a bit of a point when it comes to newer hardware. But uh, as far as putting in the effort to use Linux, that's really up to you. And you certainly seem to have a good deal of experience with computers and hardware in general. So use whatever is most comfortable for you. But some of the advantages of using Linux and putting in that effort to use Linux is outlined in a series of articles I did for our website entitled The Linux Advantage. The series started back in September of 2015, and the most recent in that series was in November of 2015. So we've got one, two, three, four, five articles in that series. One is the community, the Linux advantage. So one of the advantages of going Linux is the fact that you have the open source community to help you with issues, to find those drivers perhaps that you're you're missing, to develop the drivers that uh, you need for the newest hardware out there. The second uh, Linux advantage is security. By default, Linux has much better security than the traditional Windows operating system has. Windows 10 has become a lot more secure, but on the other hand, I think that Linux is still more secure than Windows is by default, just with the way it's designed. And you can read the details around that in security, the Linux advantage. Then the next article in that series is around the beauty of Linux. The most recent Linux operating systems and desktop environments are beautiful. Linux has definitely developed a lot of eye candy over the years, especially for desktop users and the number of possible themes and icons and everything else that goes into it are absolutely fantastic these days. And that's just the outside. Uh, Linux has a lot of beauty inside, including the fact that it is secure, uh, the fact that it is well designed and it's designed with multiple users in mind. It's designed with security in mind. And that is just a beautiful design. And the last article in the series is entitled Improving Your Life, The Linux Advantage. And as I say in the article, it may be a bit of a stretch to think of an operating system improving your life, but read the article. I think you'll agree. You've got fewer hassles, less hidden costs. Uh, you can avoid a lot of the costs associated with upgrades and updating software and having to update hardware because your operating system has been upgraded or updated from Windows 7, let's say, to Windows 10. And now the hardware that you used to use or the software that you used to use won't run on Windows 10. And so you're required to not only purchase Windows 10 if it's past the free upgrade, free in quotation marks upgrade that uh, Windows offers you these days, uh, you need to pay for the operating system, but you also need to pay for upgrades to the applications that you use because they the versions that you had for Windows 7, some of them won't run on Windows 10 or you need the latest uh, tweaks to those. And, and oftentimes those software packages cost uh, a significant amount of money to upgrade and update and purchase the latest version. 
To mention only briefly the hardware costs, that old stuff that we were talking about uh, right at the beginning of my response to your email, that old hardware that you've been using for years, Windows 10 may not support it anymore. So now you've got to buy new hardware, a new printer, a new scanner, a new fax machine combo printer scanner thingy, <laughs> whatever it is. Um, Windows can cost you a lot of money, and those costs of upgrades are things that you can avoid with Linux because Linux maintains compatibility to older hardware and because the software applications that are included with Linux are also updated and upgraded for free for the most part you don't have that added cost so you can improve your life with Linux by avoiding hassles and hidden costs as well as overt costs for upgrading and updating and you can use that money to improve your life, like buying a better computer or becoming uh, a better person or spending it on education of some sort or start your own podcast. Uh, put the extra money in the bank if you've got nothing else to do with it. But there you go. That's at least in part some of the reasons why you should go Linux now. Michael wrote us with a question. I'm a brand new Linux user and I really like the show. I've even gone through and listened to several of the really old episodes. They have been helpful. I decided to run Linux to revamp an old laptop that was sluggishly running Windows Vista. That made your episode on running Linux on old computers very interesting to me. I have come across and I'm using Linux Lite. I was curious why you guys did not mention it in the episode. Is it because it runs off of Ubuntu variant and so you figured you covered it with Ubuntu? Just curious. And also wanted to know what you thought of Linux Lite. Thanks again. Well, Michael, the main reason we didn't include Linux Lite is neither Bill nor I have used it. And so we couldn't speak from any sort of position of authority or experience in using it. Another thing is the fact that, yes, we covered primarily Debian distributions in that review, and we were focused on that intentionally, and many of those are also Ubuntu variants. So by including yet another one, especially one that we hadn't used, was probably not something that would have been wise, let alone something that we could have done. There are definitely many more distributions out there that we didn't include than we included in that review, and it's just simply impossible to include everything. I am glad that you found a Linux that you like, and Linux Lite sounds like the one that, at least right now, you are sticking with. So as you have experience with that, since Bill and I haven't tried it, we'd appreciate you letting us know how things are going. Any issues you find, any solutions to issues you find as well, of course, and any satisfaction that you get from using Linux Lite and what the success is. Everyone would be very interested in hearing about that. Sean wrote us with a similar complaint, if you will, about not including a particular Linux distribution in our review. What? No mention of the perennial small Linux distribution favorite, Poppy Linux, on your show 297. Poppy has been the go-to distro for older and underpowered computers for a long time. I'm surprised you didn't mention it. 
Some of my favorite old small Linux distros are now defunct, such as Peanut Linux and Damn Small Linux, but thankfully some live on. Puppy Linux is alive and kicking as popular as ever. Vector Linux still distributes new releases regularly and has a loyal following. Nopix is the originator of the live CD, DVD, USB concept and keeps new releases flowing like wine. And Tiny Core Linux is created by the same group of developers that used to be the driving force behind the development of Damn Small Linux. We'll have links to all of those in our show notes. Thanks to Sean. Sean continues, personally, I use IceWM as my primary window manager. It is small, light, and efficient. XFCE is my secondary window manager. It offers a smooth, polished experience. A user's choice in window manager, desktop environment, makes a huge difference in performance and storage space usage. Well, thanks, Sean, for mentioning Puppy and all of those other distributions. And as I just mentioned to Michael, it is a little tough to include every possible Linux distribution out there. And we've talked about Puppy Linux and Nopix and Tiny Core Linux in previous episodes. So uh, we've definitely covered those, although not in episode 297. So if you and our audience have a Linux distribution that we did not cover, we apologize if we weren't able to include your favorite. There are plenty of others out there, and some smaller than the ones that we had uh, talked about in episode 297. So uh, thanks, Sean, for that email. Frank made a donation to the podcast. Thank you, Frank. And sent us this feedback. Hi, Larry. Hi, Bill. Both of you did say hi, Frank, didn't you? A few days ago, I thought about how many great shows you made, and I wondered whether there is any Linux topic for new users left you haven't already talked about. Listening to many podcasts, I still think that yours is one of the best, very informative, always to the point, and very entertaining at the same time. It is also helpful even for experienced users. Bill, I am impressed how well you developed from a chief executive minion to a very skilled and competent co-host. Please don't underrate your value anymore. I like your curiosity, your playfulness, and your smart recommendations and evaluations. Larry, I'm so glad that you have the generosity, power, and endurance to run this show in your joyful, elegant, and profound manner for such a long time. Thank you so very much. I also remember your former co-host, Tom, wondering how he is doing. Do you have any information? I really hope he is in much better health condition by this time. At the end, I have some questions and suggestions to you and the Going Linux community. I am still thankful to the great Linux Mint distribution for giving me a chance to finally enter the Linux world completely. I am still using Mint 17.2 KDE. And before I go on with Frank's email, uh, uh, there is really no update on Tom. Um, I think he's a lot more stable than he was before, and he it still has the health conditions that he had before, but uh, uh, he's, he's doing fairly well. He will not be back on the podcast because of those health issues, but I just wanted to comment on that. So continuing on with Frank's email, 
After using Linux Mint for almost three years, I am unhappy about the small and very slowly updated repository. Even more, I became very unsure about the reliability of Mint after finding a web article about the next hidden Amazon spyware in Ubuntu. It's such a shame because I also tested Ubuntu Mate and was very much impressed by the great usability and performance of the version. And he provides a link to the 2013 article on how to disable Amazon shopping in Ubuntu. And I have to say that that issue with Ubuntu was particular to the Unity version. And they've actually made that optional and not enabled it by default in current versions of Ubuntu. So Frank, I think the issue that you're citing there is not a problem. It's not a problem with Ubuntu Mate as well, because Mate does not use Unity. And as a result, I think that is a bit of old news that you really shouldn't worry about. But, um, you know, the, the fact that it was something that was enabled by default at one time in Ubuntu mm, says something about the developers, at least of the Unity interface, and where their thoughts are. Continuing with Frank's email again, while entering the command in the Linux Mint terminal, finding out there was no error message, I became very irritated. So I assume there is probably an Amazon shopping lens even in Linux Mint. Please correct me if I'm wrong with my assumption. Yeah, Frank, I don't think it's an issue with Linux Mint, and maybe that's why there was no error message. I haven't actually tried the recommendation that was made in 2013, but given that we're three years down the road, and I don't believe there was an issue in Linux Mint, because again, it doesn't use the Unity interface, uh, I think your assumption is a bit wrong. So take that all with a grain of salt. That Amazon... Uh, shopping lens, if you will. And, and lens is a terminology specific to the Unity desktop environment. So with Linux Mint, not an issue with Ubuntu Mate because it's using Mate and not Unity, not an issue. So I think you're trying to solve a problem that doesn't exist in the distributions that you are actually using. Continuing again with Frank's email. Soon, I plan to switch to Manjaro Linux, which looks very attractive for several reasons. One, it is based on Arch Linux, but is easily installed. I tested it on VirtualBox. Two, Arch Linux repository is huge. The Manjaro part is very fresh and stable too. Three, Manjaro is a rolling release, which is perfect, especially for a Linux user who just wants to get things done. No system upgrade required anymore. Four, it has a true and fresh version of KDE. I really love KDE so much. Five, Manjaro has also a very large and growing community and good documentation. Maybe you will do a Manjaro review on your show. Again, thanks for your great show and helpful support to your listeners. I will keep on listening and look forward to to your answer. Okay, Frank, uh, as far as Manjaro is concerned, I haven't used it for any length of time, although Sonar Linux, which is based on Manjaro, I have used for a significant amount of time. And I agree, it's a, it's a great distribution. Uh, since Manjaro is 
a rolling release, you're going to get a lot more updated applications a lot more quickly than you will on Linux Mint. And to address your issue that you mentioned earlier in your email about the updates to Mint being very slow, if that's an issue for you, then Manjaro may just be the solution. One of the reasons that Mint's updates are slow is because they want to make sure that they that those applications have the time to stabilize and have all the bugs running out of them before they introduce them into the distribution. And so they are a little bit delayed. On the other hand, the advantages of having a rolling release are the fact that you get those updated applications much more quickly. The disadvantage is because you get those applications much more quickly, there, you run the risk that there are some unfixed bugs that need patching at the time that you get the update to that new application and to the operating system itself. However, this being Linux and run by the open source community, you will get those updates and you will get them fairly quickly, generally much more quickly than you will on other operating systems like Windows and OS X. And as a result, you're probably going to find that Manjaro fits your needs very nicely. If you do, however, find yourself frustrated with the fact that there are quite a few more bugs than you're used to in Linux Mint in the applications and in those features that are enabled in the latest update that you just got, then you might want to back off a little bit and, and go back to something that's not quite as rolling a release. But if that's not an issue for you, then a rolling release is exactly what you need. Our final feedback is from Angelo, and I've included Angelo's email in our Gone Linux segment because Angelo has Gone Linux. Angelo wrote us about our accessibility episode and has a bit of a complaint about some things that perhaps we got a little misinformation on. So let's listen to what Angelo has to say about assistive technology in Linux. Angelo writes, Hi guys, I listened to show 299 and I must say there was a considerable amount of misinformation. I worked for the state of North Carolina for 21 years and not only does the vocation rehabilitation program provide equipment and software when consumers are getting jobs, they also provide those services when they need to keep a job. Vocational rehabilitation is a federal program. The Library of Congress has a free audio lending library which operates in every state and serves anyone who is print impaired. Print impaired, that's I guess the politically correct term for blind now? Sight impaired? Print impaired? I don't know. They provide a digital player and mail the books directly to the requesting member. When you are done, you just put the book back in the mail and there is no charge for the service or the mailing. Now to the computer. I started out using a Texas Instruments TI-994A. There were no screen readers, so you wrote your own talking software. I moved up through MS-DOS and all versions of Windows. 
There are certainly some problems with Windows accessibility, but that is true of all operating systems. The reason the government agencies are pushing, in quotes, Windows is directly tied to employment opportunities. There is a free screen reading package for Windows called NVDA, Non-Visual Desktop, and it is now as good as JAWS. I am currently running Vinix 5, Android, iOS, and when necessary, Windows. There are many things that the Linux operating system has to offer, and it is good enough that there is really no need to bash other operating systems. For example, the Mac is accessible out of the box. I first started my Linux journey with an early version of Slackware, and just getting it up and running was a challenge. Linux has come a long way, and I would put it up against any operating system on the market. I frequently work on audio files for my band, and there are some Windows programs that give me better access to both audio and MIDI. I do use Audacity, but I haven't found a solution for MIDI at this time. I will keep looking. There is an audio editor called Reaper, which is being ported over to Linux. It is very flexible. The Android tablet that was mentioned in the episode is very expensive, but that is because of the refreshable Braille display. With the current solenoid technology, the cost to repair a unit is approximately $50 per Braille cell. That's one character. So a 20-cell display's repair costs over $1,000. Linux has so much going for it that the benefits and security can make the sale. One other consideration is that most people, disabled or not, just want to turn on their computers so they can do what they have to do and move on. We are living in an appliance-driven society. My current project is running Linux on the Raspberry Pi. I have a lot to learn, but I enjoy that. I listen to every show, so keep up the good work. By the way, I do use Audible on my Samsung S7, and they have a sizable collection. Is there a Linux client at this time? I do realize that Android is a version of Linux, but what about the other distros? Take care. 0873 N2DYN Angelo. Well, thanks, Angelo, and thanks for your ham credentials there. Um, yeah, Android is a version of Linux. Uh, as far as Audible on Linux, that's something that, as far as I know, has never happened. Uh, I know that there's a version for Android, but as you mentioned, it's um, a specialized version of Linux that is for portable handheld uh, phones essentially at this time but for general use on linux on computers there is no audible and for longtime listeners you remember that audible was sponsoring the podcast for a little while and uh, we did not continue with that sponsorship for a number of reasons including the fact that there has never been a linux client for audible and we felt that to have an advertiser that wasn't supporting Linux was probably not the wisest move for us. So no longer sponsor. And we don't have any sponsors at this point. As you know. Well, and that's it for our episode 
this time. And thanks to everyone who provided us with feedback. Our next episode will be about using open source software for your media needs. That'll be an exciting episode. Until then, you can go to our website at goinglinux.com for articles and show notes, as well as links to download and subscribe. We are the website for computer users who just want to use Linux to get things done. If you'd like, you can participate directly with our friendly and helpful community members by joining the discussion in our Going Linux podcast, Google Plus community. Until next time, thanks for listening. Music provided by Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com.